0: for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Take your seat, turn to your neighbor and say, you should think about going to college. Wonderful. Thank you, worship team. I knew you'd be blessed by hearing Josh's story. Uh, all the students have incredible stories, and I would—I'm um, going to introduce you to another uh, lady called Mandy, who was a career uh, public servant and came along and did uh, Bible College for a year, and it's just touched and changed her life and her world. And so um, uh, it's going to be—I I urge you to consider it. I was. Halfway through uh, a year of Bible college, when Deb and I were asked to go and plant a church, and um, we were running a, bu- a building company at the time, and uh, squeezing Bible college in, and uh, you know the opposition that came. Uh, while I was, I remember one story when we were doing. I was in a, a class lecture, and I got a phone call from a guy on the site, and said because this massive storm came through and just blew down the whole building that we'd got half up, and it just blew it over, and. Uh, yeah, you want to step into some warfare, then uh, think about going to college. <laughs> if you don't, well, live happily ever after. <laughs> All right. Deb sends a love. She's up at Kingscliff doing the dance-mum, grand-mum thing. Who's in that world at the moment? A few of you, I know. That's why I'm 1,300 kilometres away. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> but uh, they're having a great time. Today is concert day up there for them, so that's really exciting. Um, that she sends her love and uh, we're going to at the end of the service this morning take up our our love christmas love canberra offering you may have seen the flyers on on your seats uh, which are basically invitations for you to hand out and we've got others there if you'd like to give a few out the sign coming in reminding us that that's coming up in a couple of weeks time Uh, every dollar that's given into the offering gets given away over the last few years we've given I think nearly 48 or nearly fifty thousand dollars has just been given away to people in need to help uh, support families and uh, other um, Organisations working with people and so you know it's just an expression of our heart of generosity and so uh, if, you, if you're thinking about uh, contributing I'd urge you to do so. Again if you want a card to facilitate that put your hand up and we'll, uh, the crew will get one to you. We'll take the offering up at the end of the service. If you go on to Tithely which is the, the app and uh, you, there's an option there for LCLC Crit- LC, so you can give that way. And uh, that would be phenomenal to do that. We just want to continue blessing. And uh, our carols. the service is going to be phenomenal. It's, I think, did it, was it 10 carols? I think they said they're rehearsing. It's going to be a great occasion. 11 carols. Um, and 13. How many more? <laughs> I think that was Andrew You're going to do a solo of Silent Night. And um, that will clear the place completely. But um, we'll be... Um, Then we've got the festival outside, so it's going to be phenomenal. going to be lots and lots of fun. So, um, yes, that's that. That's the housekeeping uh, done, I think. All right. Last week, Mr. Rundle preached up an amazing message. I listened to it. Be bold, be strong, Uh, but just uh, loved... uh, uh, I didn't know you were a plumber, Ken. You have (laughs) hidden talents. Uh, which is, I just wondered if uh, it was going to be a reciprocal opportunity for for Bender to be an apprentice uh, lawyer at some stage uh, to argue the case before the judge. <laughs> but um, but I thought it was a really phenomenal message and uh, appreciated it. So um, what was that, Ken? <laughs> <laughs> So we're um, continuing our series through, uh, through the book of Joel, which we've been doing for the last three months. And uh, the overarching theme is generation to generation. And you know, it's, that's, uh, I'll, I'll get to that a little bit more, but we've journeyed through repentance, which was um, uh, what we were doing in September, October. We talked about restoration. And, and this month we're talking about readiness. Are you ready? And uh, in talking about uh, repentance, it's it's like you know, repentance. One of the key things that we Glean from that is that it's you know we can uh, it's not just a one-off occasion it's an ongoing lifestyle for you and I as Christians to be how carry a repentant heart and uh, you know we can actually repent not only individually but we do that corporately and we we prayed some prayers of corporate repentance uh, on that last Sunday in September and uh, of some of the things that maybe even as a church that we've done wrong in the past and needed to just kind of get clear before God and then through the month of October which was mental health month uh, coincided with just uh, restoration and being restored from shame and breaking off and and walking in the freedom that comes from what God is wanting to restore to us you know the the locusts that stole so much from us you know isn't it interesting when you think about the image of a locust in this context is um, uh, stealing something from God's people but the first story about locusts we we hear is when um, they go after the Pharaoh and uh, a part of the, the release of God's people. And so, you know, there's almost sense when we hear about locusts, there's this impending release that God is going to bring. And I believe that there are people still walking into the release that comes and the restoration from the shame that the enemy wants to put upon us. And so we're walking that through. And so, you know, we're turn, we've turned back to our hearts. We've de- dealt with shame as we're moving forward. And this morning, I just want to uh, think about One of the questions that I believe that the book of Joel asks us, and that is, are you ready? Are you ready? And uh, let's go to the scripture in Joel 3.13 in the message. And it says this, Swing the sickle, the harvest is ready. Stomp on the grapes, the wine press is full. The vats are full, the wine vats are full, overflowing with vintage evil. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? It almost feels like there's a a harvest out there that is overflowing with vintage evil. You know, uh, that's just an interesting phrase to me, but you know, we talked about, and Ben touched on it last week, about swinging the sickle. The harvest is ready. The problem isn't the harvest. The problem is, are you and I ready to work? because we think about Matthew we think about what we read in Matthew when Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem and weeping and he understands that the harvest is ready but the laborers are few and so the call of Joel is to go and stomp the grapes and you kind of think well that's an interest that's a bit of a weird sort of uh, metaphor isn't it but it's it's kind of like in the in the stomping of the grapes, it's like we get covered in, in the mess and, and there's this sense that, you know, the stomping of the grapes, which is the first pressing before, in the process of, of making the wine, that, uh, you know, it's, and it's, and it's kind of like we call people to this place of uh, the first pressing so that the, you know, what is good in us can come out over time, over, over time. And the wine vats are full, overflowing with vintage evil. We're going to be contending with evil every step of the way, but are you ready to stomp on the grapes? Are are you willing to get your feet dirty? Are you willing to get splattered? Maybe. And and the image again we get is that um, you know the, the 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 splattering representing the blood of Jesus on us as we get into where the dirty work needs to happen. And the question is, the the statement is, the harvest is ready, but stomp on the grapes. Are you ready to go and stomp on the grapes? And so this morning, I just want to think about a few ways, a couple of ways that we could stomp on the grapes, if you like, to help us get ready for doing what God wants us to do. And so the first thought this morning is that prayer and fasting is a form of stomping prayer and fasting is a form of stomping and so we've we're calling the church to prayer Thursday Friday and Saturday uh, the end of this spring season just before we start uh, just before we do love Christmas love Canberra just before summer comes but we're calling the church to a three-day prayer and fast and a 12-hour prayer vigil from 7:30 on Friday night till 7:30 on Saturday morning and this is actually life-changing stuff. If you can decide to press in, if you can decide to commit, you can decide to do a bit of stomping. There, there, is, there are situations in your life and your world that need a bit of stomping that need a bit of effort, that need a bit of uh, getting dirty and splattered and, and all of that kind of thing. And so, you know, that, that's the power of, of doing a prayer vigil together. The first hour or so, the worship team, well, it was going to be an hour last year. It ended up being three or four hours, I think, before they actually finished. You know, why don't you decide to set aside some time to come into the presence of God and prioritize and, le- and learn to listen to what He is wanting to say to you. And maybe you can, um, through Thursday and Friday, before the prayer vigil, just set it up by, by fasting from something. And I, you know, I was reading re- uh, today, uh, re- uh, recently, this last week, that fasting is like pressing pause. You, you don't know how much control something has over you until you give it up for a while. Press pause on something that maybe has too much control on you. And, you know, we sort of say, oh, yeah, let's fast for social media or chocolate or whatever. But let's, 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 go, beyond, let's go deeper than that. Let's, let's think about, okay, why does social media have a hold on you? Or why does chocolate or food, or whatever, whatever the situation, why is that so important to you that, that you actually need to stop and press pause to think about what is it replacing? Because you might find, if you press pause on that, that you, you realize what you're missing out on over here. You're missing out on uh, connection and time with God, or just personal worship time, or reading, or, or just some stillness and silence before God. But if you don't press pause here, you won't, get, you won't realize what you're missing out on. And so I think the thing about pressing pause is we give ourselves the gift of evaluating, okay, what's actually really important in our lives? And, and how do we make that count? So prayer and fasting, I think, is a form of stomping. You know, we'll come together here 7.30 on Friday night and, and there'll be all sorts of things in any room of this size or any size. There are multitude of needs and unmet expectations and hopes and dashed dreams and aspirations and all of that sort of stuff. But why not come and just come into the presence of God with like-minded people, and just uh, do a bit of stomping through prayer and fasting, because I think that that can actually really make a difference. It can make a difference in in your life. It can make a difference as you move forward. It can make a difference for us corporately. Sometimes we've just got to, you know, we've got to push back against the, the um, against the vintage evil that is coming at us. And I guess as I think about that phrase, it's like there's nothing new under the sun. What we're facing, the temptations, the distractions we're facing, are not new. They're just, in a sense, a contextual thing. But whatever the enemy can do to take our focus away from God is what he'll be wanting to do. So let's put our foot down. Let's stomp a few grapes. Let's get into a place where we're actually in the presence of God and dealing with some of this stuff. That's a powerful thing. I love that... um, that song we were singing, I think it was the song that was written by the team. Well done, worship team, for leading us and, and, and expressing a heart of worship that's coming out of this place. But it was talking about surrender. And I think that you know we can come into a, a season of prayer and fasting and we, we can figure out, okay, what are my wants, what are my needs, and what do I need to surrender? You know, because these are the things that we're we're dealing with. And it's not not wrong to have wants, uh, and we all have needs. But it's like, what are we going to surrender to God in order for him to have his way in our heart and life? So let's see prayer and fasting as a form of stomping. The second thought is that another form of stomping is understanding our family of origin and the impact that it has on us. And you might think, oh, gee, you're drawing a long bow there. How, does, how do you make that connection? But Joel three twenty, which is just a few verses on from the, what we read earlier, it says this, but Judah shall abide forever from Jerusalem and Jerusalem from generation to generation. There is something that is permanent about walking with God and it affects the generation beyond, beyond us, a generation to generation. And the family of origin thing is very, very powerful. I went to a function yesterday to celebrate Liz and Louis' silver wedding anniversary. Congratulations, guys. It's amazing. Amazing achievement. Uh, And what makes it even more remarkable for both Liz and Louis, and they shared this uh, yesterday, is that for both of them, it's their second marriage. And what makes it even more remarkable is that all four of their no, four of their five blended family got up and shared stories and paid tribute to Liz and Louis. And, you know, I look at that and I think, OK, there is a generational thing that is happening here. They have arrested what could have been catastrophic on both sides. And they've come together in God and actually changing the future of the generations beyond them. And, you know, sometimes we, we can dismiss or minimise the power of what is actually happening, but the God thing in us goes from generation to generation. And that's a powerful thing. So maybe it's worthwhile, in, uh, as part of your stomping, um, to maybe do a genogram of your family. How, you know, And you map out how dysfunctional your family is. <laughs> uh, which is what it's quite, But the thing about that is, you actually identify the things that you are breaking off, that you are cutting off, that you are changing. And so the generation to generation effect gets, gets shifted. Um, and we get to identify the presenting patterns that run through over, over time. You know, I can remember a couple of years ago when uh, our daughter Christy, she's got three little kids and, and um, you know, obviously kids are a challenge. most not all, some of the time, um, lots of the time. But anyway, I just remember talking to Christy and she was just saying at the end of the day, all she wants is for her three kids to be following Jesus when they're old enough to make the choice for themselves. And I think that that would be the heart cry of each and every one of us, parents who are Christians. And it's the heart cry and the heartbeat for me as a grandparent, praying for my seven grandkids that, that they will come to know Jesus in when the time is right for them and that they will be kept pure uh until that time and and you know that prayer is a very very powerful thing and i know that many of us are carrying heartache around that because we feel the prayer hasn't come pa- come to pass yet but we actually can stomp some grapes and just uh and see uh, maybe there are some identifying patterns that we need to shift and change you know there was um I may have told this story before, apologies if you've heard it, but there was a time when our kids were were young, probably all of them under 10. And uh, Deb and I were made aware that uh, we had Freemasonry in both of our family lines. And actually, Deb's grandfather was uh, uh, a Grand Mason in Lithgow. He was the head of the Freemasonry thing in Lithgow, even though they were all church families and all that kind of thing. And we looked into it. And we realized and we we discovered that uh, in the process of going to the, I think it's the 32nd or 33rd degree, a person will pronounce 78 curses over the family line. 78 curses and so Dem and I, because there have been things going on for us that we thought why isn't this shifting? We're praying, we're fasting, we're believing, things aren't shifting, you know, and so we actually, we took, uh, we took some time, we decided we got a copy of the 78 curses that are pronounced uh, and they're over the family and the family line and the, the women in the family and all this sort of stuff and we took uh, three months to pray and renounce every single one of those curses because we felt it was important. Uh, we felt we needed to break something in our family line. We, uh, at the end of that three-month period, uh, we went to church. We have Pastor Fergus with us. And Pastor Fergus called Deb out and prophesied over her and said, The journey you began three months ago is now finished. You are free to move forward. And it was like he knew nothing about what we've been doing or anything like that. And it was kind of like, you know, there is a power in identifying the things in our family line that need to be broken, need to be renounced, need to be addressed, need to be at least identified and then moving forward from. And so that becomes a very, very powerful thing. Peter Scazzero says this, We often underestimate the deep unconscious imprint our families of origin leave on us. In fact, my observation is that it is only as we get older that we realise the depth of that influence. And so we need to identify that. And if we're actually going to be out there, because I think uh, you know, the enemy would be saying to you and I, how dare you even consider stomping grapes when you've got so much mess and junk and history and dysfunction, you know, what, how can you go into You know, The harvest isn't ready. And and yet you know God is saying the the difference. You know my my dad um, is uh, 87. He hasn't given his life to Christ yet, and uh, so we're continuing to pray for him. Uh, It's the longest unanswered prayer of my Christian experience. Uh, at this point in time but I'm hanging on to God and I uh, saw him the other day and he'd been talking to a cousin of mine who'd been doing some family tree stuff and my dad's middle name I'm not sure, I'm sure if I told you this did I Did tell this story the other day? Sorry I'm um, brain but um, my dad's middle name is Denby and he didn't know where that name came from it's an unusual name but anyway during the course of the family tree he discovered that Denby was the name of a great-great-grandfather who was actually a minister and so it was kind of like this kind of ah okay and this you know, you, you just don't know what God is doing and, and how He's at work. But I think that, you know, we need to be thinking about the behavioural patterns that affect us that we've inherited from our families of origin, such as, um, you know, the way we deal with money, the way, we, uh, the way we manage money, the way we deal with conflict, the way we, our attitudes towards sex, uh, our approach to grief and loss, the way we express anger. Um, just you know family and what that means you know family sometimes can be an idol for us and we need to uh, figure out um, what what that looks like what does healthy family look like relationships how we navigate relationships Um, attitudes towards other cultures and that kind of thing, how we define success. You know, sometimes we're just continually trying to be successful in the eyes of our parents or our family, uh, and yet maybe that's not the way God defines success. Uh, How we manage our feelings and emotions and express them, or maybe we don't and we just bottle them up. You know, if we start to think about some of these dynamics that are affecting us, I think it can release us. as we move forward but if we don't some of these dynamics can actually cause us to do things like overfunction. we become overly responsible for things we shouldn't be responsible for and we can't put boundaries in place where we need to put boundaries in place and so for you and I as Christians who are shaped and formed by the word of God and that becomes the guiding light for us when our family of origin and all its dysfunction uh, shapes some of those things we identify it and we can actually take steps to rectify it and so maybe, maybe you and I are, uh, are seeking performance-based approval. We know that the only way we'll get approval from our parent or whoever it is, is by the, the job that we do. and There's a performance-based thing. So for you and I, just to accept the fact that God loves us for who we are, is a massive, massive thing. And to actually identify that. And, and be able to work through it or you know maybe, maybe our family dynamics and values and situations are shaped by uh, our family of origin and cultural expectations rather than what the scripture would say and so the thing about the thing about knowing what the scripture says is you need to read the scripture understand what it's saying and to know what it's saying but sometimes um, you know we have cultural not biblical expectations of marriage. And, and what that means, and family, and all that sort of stuff. Or maybe we have unhealthy conflict re- resolution skills. Maybe your family of origin just didn't, you, you know, just walked away and stewed for months and didn't resolve it. Or maybe maybe they slammed doors and broke windows, whatever. But you know, understanding and then figuring out what's the biblical response to these sorts of dynamics. Or maybe you just suppressed feelings and weren't, you know, like you you you're not allowed to feel anything you're just a kid or whatever and you've kind of taken that through to your adulthood and and understanding what it is you know uh, for us to be um, you know and again quoting Schizero, he says it's impossible for us to be spiritually mature and emotionally immature at the same time we need to deal with some of this stuff so that we can move on so maybe for you one of the ways of stomping the grapes is to deal with the family of origin and and get not that you ever deal with it but you understand the impact that it has on you and then the things that you need to do to respond to that is that helpful so the third thought then is uh, another thought about stomping is actually seeking seeking is stomping and um, because our work is to seek him that's what we're called to do as Christians that's the first thing that we are called to do out of that everything else flows once we understand what God's will for our life is and, his, uh, and we discern what he's saying to us in any given moment, we can respond to that. And so our primary purpose is to seek God. And seeking is stomping because then we're responding to what God would be showing us of himself. Psalm 27 verse 4. and I love this. and It's a very familiar scripture. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. If You know, this is the psalmist writing this, saying the one thing. And for you and I, if we're going to stomp things down, if we're going to deal with this... um, Evil that's prevailing and that uh, in this vintage at work in our life and our world, then we need to be able to actually just uh, seek God. And that is work because you just don't stumble into it. You actually have to intentionally do it. You actually have to set aside the distractions that maybe we were talking about earlier and think about how we're going to seek God. And then when I do hear his voice, what am I going to do with that? So if you were to dare to ask God, you know, God, do you want me to go to Bible college this coming year? And are you going to ask that question and then, and if he says yes, are you just going to, no, no, that wasn't really you, God. Or are we open hearted enough with, with enough integrity of spirit to actually respond if we're going to ask that kind of question? So seeking God is a very difficult thing to do. It's, it's, it's more than just the, 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 the fuzzy feeling, it's, it's like the life change that comes as a result of responding to what God says to you when you stop and listen to what he's saying. One thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. It's like we just want to, if, and it, just to be focused on God completely, responding to Him and knowing that we're going forward in, in that confidence. And that becomes a powerful thing. Because I read a scripture like that and I, I go, well, when I read that, it's impossible to be a Christian and not be, not be in church. Because how, how can you live in the house of the Lord all the days of your life if you're not in church? That's what it's talking about understanding the priority of that and i'm not saying that we shouldn't be working in jobs we should be working in jobs but it's who we are as people it's a holistic thing that you know this is who we are this is how we approach life and so maybe <clears throat> maybe we need to redefine success maybe success in our mind is is a, a, a question of accumulation and uh, he you know who has the most wins at the end of the day and what do you do with it and it's like okay how much is enough and all of that kind of thing but I think and again I'm going, quoting Scazzero here Emotionally Healthy Discipleship but he redefines success as, being, as success is radically doing God's will God's way in God's time that's what success is and you can't be successful if you don't know what God's will for your life is and so, it's all tied up, it's all integrated as a response to that. And I think that as a response to that, if success is doing, radically doing God's will, God's way in His time, it means that we're redefining the world's view of success, which says, you know, accumulate more, achieve more, you know, do more. And so, sometimes seeking God is stomping, is, uh, is stomping the grapes and so just draw to a close here now I think Jesus showed us how to stomp. Jesus was the ultimate stomper. I think the thing is the great news of Christianity is that um, our biological family of origin uh, does not determine our future. God does. And so, you know, whatever dysfunctions we identify and present, it's like, you know, that doesn't define our future. Our future is in God's hands. Christ paid a price and took all of that stuff on the cross of Calvary. When we place our faith in Christ, we are born again. We're spiritually reborn uh, by the Holy Spirit into the family of Jesus. And even Jesus' family had levels of dysfunction but he was able to address it from a godly perspective. And so we're not looking for perfection or idealism Or here. We're talking about a heart that seats after God. We're talking about making the adjustments in our personal world to help us be able to stomp effectively. I think discipleship is putting off the sinful patterns and habits of our biological families and being transformed to live as members of Christ's family. You know, we honor our parents, we honor culture, Uh, we honor those things where honor is due. But we obey God. We obey God. And so sometimes that will put us at odds with some of the, the tensions of the family of origin stuff that we're dealing with. But I know that God wants to take us forward. And discipleship then is working the kingdom truths into our lives and understanding what those truths are and how they apply. So I think sometimes, sadly, when we look beneath the surface of our lives, most of us are not doing anything fundamentally different to what our families did. And it's like, okay, it does need to be different. You know, we're talking generation to generation. The choices I make now will affect my kids, my grandkids and their kids and so on. That's how generation to generation works. And so when I think about it, I think about, okay, I want to make the choices that are going to pay those those dividends down the track. The thing about it is that Jesus has shown us that we can live life God's way, that we can stomp the grapes of the harvest that is waiting to be stomped when you and I are willing to take up that challenge. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you every person here today Lord we we have a myriad of family of origins with all sorts of experiences and you know when Livia is exhorting us in worship before we all have a story but ultimately our story is his story And God wants to bring us to a place where we're ready and willing and able to put our hand up and say, Yes, I want to stomp the grapes. The harvest is ready. We know that. I want to be a laborer who's counted in. I want to be willing to get my my feet dirty and stomp the grapes. And so, Father, I thank you this morning for every single person here that even if it's just one thing that we need to adjust and shift that you've brought to mind today that you that we would be able to do that empower us to do that strengthen us to do that god we ask in jesus name thank you for <clears throat> incredible courage of people in this place i thank you lord that we would be able to that our prayer and fasting would be a form of stomping god i thank you lord that as we do these sorts of things, as we seek after you, that we're stomping on the the vintage evil that seeks to present itself towards us. Thank you, God, that that as we continue to serve you and walk with you, as we understand our family of origin and work through those issues, that we are stomping on the grapes of of the harvest for the future, God. And In this place right here, right now, If you don't know Jesus as your personal Saviour and Lord, maybe you've come into this place today and you're thinking, man, my life is a mess. I'm at my wit's end. I've got no idea which way forward. I'm here to say to you and exhort you today to give your life to Christ, to be born again into a new family. You are adopted into a family of God, which means you are chosen. You're not an accident. You are chosen. And this morning you can make that choice to actually become a Christian. If, you, if that's you in this place today and you know you need to make that decision to become a Christian, to get a new family of origin behind you, you know that you can't do this on your own. And God's been speaking to you about it and it's just been too hard and too challenging. You know you need to make that decision today. Just raise your hand so I can see it. Who here today needs to make that decision? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. 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 In a couple of moments, we're going to close the service, but I'm going to extend to you an invitation to, if if, if maybe something has triggered for you this morning, that you go, you know what? This thing has been dogging me for way too long. It's a family of origin issue. I'm aware of that. I just want the power of this thing broken off my life. Then uh, come forward for prayer this morning. We've got a prayer team that will help you with that. Um, if, you've, if anything has spoken to you out of this morning in terms of a response, I would love for you to just uh, take the challenge and respond to what God is saying to you. And I hope to see as many as possible here at the prayer and fast at the end of this week. And maybe just in the leading up, the Thursday and Friday, leading up to the vigil, maybe you just seek God, get a hold of Him, do some stomping in in prayer and fasting, because it will make a difference. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.